Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is the correct answer. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson to some people. No, Johnny, I know you, you're a Tevin Coleman hater, so I just had to bring that up. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. <laughs> What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, June 10th, and you're listening to episode 103 of the Fantasy Whispers with your hosts, Johnny Gametime Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Chelsea. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers. And you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We have articles and our latest episodes, as well as a bunch of fresh swag. And if you want to support our show, you can sign up as a patron of the Fantasy Whispers, where, where you'll gain access to a ton of bonus. So head on over to patreon.com and search the Fantasy Whispers today. Welcome in Whisper Nation to episode 103 of the Fantasy Whispers. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for that beautiful intro. As always, good morning. John. Good morning to you two. This yeah. is this good is morning. I I am I am so excited. Not only for this show, but I did happen to check my email this morning before the show, and I saw did a that lot of things before the show. I did you? do a lot of things before the show, <laughs> and I noticed that my swag. Chelsea was talking about swag in the intro. My swag will be here on Friday. I ordered like ten different shirts, so I cannot wait for that. I will have one of our TFW swag shirts on the next show. Yeah, Repping we've done it. like a little retro uh, logo, a little paying homage to some pro wrestling. You guys got to check that out. It's it's a, it's a lot oh, of fun. I, I wasn't talking about that one. I was talking about my CD Lamb one. Let's get that uh, straight, yeah. okay? Well, the CD Lamb shirt is also on the website, <laughs> uh, as Chelsea said. But today's episode is an exciting one. We're going to do part two of our must-draft value-wide receivers going in those mid to late rounds. Um, and then, as always, we're going to start the show off with a few topics from Reddit, uh, from the fantasy football community. If you're listening to the show for the first time via the audio on any podcast platform, please go ahead and follow us on that platform. Leave us a review, maybe even suggest to a friend, uh, maybe not somebody playing in your league. You don't want to give them too much advantage, but maybe suggest to a friend if you could. That that helps us grow the platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the like button, drop us a comment. And if you're following us on any of those social media platforms, hit us up in our DMs. We uh, we actually encourage slides into our DMs. We uh, we support that. But Johnny, it's time, dude. Let's let's jump into this. Our first topic is uh, us evaluating the Browns' backfield, Johnny, because we've had some things happen here uh, towards the end of last year, right? Nick Chubb was kind of dominating as far as fantasy football is concerned at, at the running back position, at least for the, the Browns. Uh, he finished the year as the, as the running back six, but towards the end of the year when Kareem Hunt came back from suspension, his carries did go down, his usage did go down. And so I guess the, the question here, Johnny, you know, when we were cruising on Reddit, uh, we saw this, you know, evaluating the Browns backfield as, as this situation possible uh, so this was posted by you slash scun 1995. And it says evaluating the Browns backfield, possible value of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in fantasy 2020. So Johnny, what are your initial thoughts on the two of these guys and maybe go guy by guy here? The Cleveland Browns last year were, were kind of a little bit of a train wreck, but in that train wreck, uh, you did have these little bright spots of, you know, uh, of Nick Chubb, dominating uh, his position last year, having over 1,400 scrimmage yards, Travis, almost 1,500 scrimmage yards, uh, uh, and almost 300 carries, 298 carries last year. So you look at what they did in this, in this for this Cleveland Brown offense, right? They, they ship out their old coach. They bring in their new head coach. Um, and I, I just want to make sure that I'm not messing this up. I, I believe Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Stefan. I can't even say it. I'm not even. Stefanski. Stefanski. Thank you. Appreciate the. You appreciate that breakdown there. Hooked on phonics, dude. Hey, hooked on phonics. Gotta love it. Um, but what does he do as a head coach? What do we know that he likes to do as a head coach? 
He likes to run the ball, and he is going to run the ball a lot. He was previously the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. He was that new man on the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, that <laughs> that the, everyone likes to talk about. And so, coming over Cleveland Browns, he's going to implement a run-heavy offense. Now, this bodes well for Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt, but here here is some concerns for Nick Chubb. Travis, you mentioned. Kareem Hunt coming in. What we what did we see at the end of last year when Nick uh, when Kareem Hunt came in, he just started getting a lot more of the receiving yards. Where Nick Chubb can receive, he was getting that last year. He got receptions out of the backfield, but when Nick Chubb came or when Kareem Hunt came back in, that was when he kind of took over that kind of role. And we know how explosive Kareem Hunt can be. So Nick Chubb was the RB five last year, and. For me, it's 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 hard for me to say even with the uptick and the new uh, offensive or the new coach. I just I'm not sure if I see a RB five return for Nick Chubb, but I definitely do think that he'll be a top ten running back for sure. I just don't know if he has that top five like like Dalvin Cook was a top five running back last year. Yeah, and I like that you brought up Minnesota. You talk about that. I will say that in Minnesota, and Stefanski goes back. You know, he wasn't just coordinator there. He he grew up in the system, so he lived under Mike Zimmer and some of this run first, heavy offense play to the defense. They definitely want to feature. They have two Pro Bowl caliber backs in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They definitely want to feature the backs here. A little bit of a snapshot of what happened last year. You know, Nick Chubb through the first 10 games while Kareem Hunt was still suspended had five top 15 finishes on the week for fantasy football. When Nick Chubb uh, or when Kareem Hunt came back weeks 10 through 17, he only had two of those top five finishes or uh, top 15 finishes. So you're talking about a situation where, yes, look, Kareem Hunt didn't have one game over 10 carries last year. We get that. But he had, um, you know, several games over five receptions. So they're going to bring him in as a change of pace guy, and he's going to siphon off the upside of Nick Chubb. But this shouldn't scare you away from Nick Chubb. Just you need to temper expectations when you're looking at Nick Chubb, because like Johnny said, a top five finish is probably not in the cards if Kareem Hunt is healthy in there, taking some of those carries away. I think the interesting thing about Kareem Hunt in this scenario, just jumping in, I mean, I I was looking it up. Kareem Hunt played 32 games since 2017, and of that, he still ranks second place for the number of missed tackles since that time. Uh, So Johnny talks about explosive. He broke 123 tackles in 32 games. Derrick Henry places ahead of him, 136 broken tackles, missed tackles, but that's in 47 games. So Kareem Hunt is like, dynamite explosive the i mean to rank second in broken tackles uh with just you know th- with 17 games behind derrick henry that's that's crazy and yeah, i love was facing a you know tremendous suspension and like i don't know i just think this is going to be his overcome come back like remember who i was year oh absolutely year. absolutely if you look at what he did at, okay he will be getting the alexander madison role and maybe expanded a little bit but you looked at what alexander madison got last year and he got between 7 and 14 touches per game. Well, that was a kind of what Kareem Hunt was getting down the stretch last year. And Travis, look at these finishes down the stretch here. Week week, tw- uh, week 12 against Miami, he was RB15. Week 13 against Pittsburgh, he was, week, uh, he was RB13. Week 14, he was RB15. RB17, week 15. Uh, RB yeah. 37, he dropped off on, on week 16 and 17. But Yeah, but I think like back to the point I was saying before, like you talk about top five, top 15 finishes for Nick Chubb down the stretch and basically Kareem Hunt eclipsed him. I think Chelsea's point about the explosiveness, the elusivity, all of that is there for Kareem Hunt. That's why he was such, that's why he led the league in rushing as a rookie. That's why he was so powerful in that Chiefs offense and an offensive mind like Kevin Stefanski is going to come in there and put him in space and let him do his thing. We're seeing it across the league. We've seen it for a few years. They want to have, you know, these offenses want to have multiple backs within the system. It's just so happens. Cleveland's got two really good backs here. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be afraid of drafting Nick Chubb, but I also wouldn't be afraid of taking a stab at Kareem Hunt. You're going to get some value for where he's going and he's not just your typical handcuff. Right. He has the upside of being league winner. Right. 
And so speaking of league winner, uh, usually what we like to say is at the end of your drafts, you're looking for dart throws. You're looking for lottery tickets, right? Somebody that for very cheap could help you win your league. So we're cruising around on Reddit Monday, Johnny and I, and we're trying to uh, decide some of these topics. And we came across a really nice, nice one here uh, posted by Rev and N7 two days ago. And it says low cost slash no cost redraft dart throws for every NFL team. So he's planning on making this list. We might even bring it up again on next show. This is for the AFC East, NFC West that he did. And there were a lot of cool names here. And it got me and Johnny thinking like, who would be our late round dart throws? Johnny, you want to take take the lead on this and talk about who your dart throw would be? Did it? Did you have one of the guys that he listed here? Um, so I I decided to go with uh, Brashad Perryman, and I listen. I I know what a lot of people are thinking. Brashad Perryman, this guy has played for literally every single team. It feels like, and he's been in the league since, you know, 2005, it seems like, and he's never truly broken out. Um, but I would beg uh, Whisper Nation to check once more because Rashad Perriman, for, for a guy who has had all these, you know, injury riddled seasons and, and all these things like that, he's still only 20, 26 and a half years old. He'll probably be 27 around the season. Um, but, you know, when you look at his size and his speed, he's 6'2", he, run, he ran a, a super fast 40 time, uh, a 4'3", 4, 40 time. Which, and, and then you look at his speed score, 125.7, which is in the 90, uh, 99th percentile. Travis, let me just ask you this. Who did the New York Jets get rid of this offseason? Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is the correct answer. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, to some people, uh, we speak highly of him, so he allows us to say Robbie Anderson on this show. And Robbie Anderson, if you look at what his metrics are, Rashad Perryman is a better Robbie Anderson. And if you take what Robbie Anderson did last year, Travis, 96 targets, 778 yards, and five touchdowns, that's pretty nice. And for a guy that you can get in the 14th round, let's remember Robbie Anderson was a a wide receiver everyone was super high on last year, and he was going in the 7th or 8th round of, of fantasy drafts. Chelsea has him on, on her dynasty team. She likes him, but, but ask her. It would she she could use Robbie Anderson last year and people are going to be able to use Brashad Perryman this year. Look at what he did at the end of last season, Travis. You don't believe me. I understand it. I get it. You don't <laughs> you're not a believer. But this guy, I'm telling you, breakout. Yeah, look I mean, these. look, last year last year he had great numbers down the stretch. He was also playing in an offense that was vacated by uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans uh, due to injury. He was also playing. They're in gone. With a, he's in. He's in the Jets. Hold, hold on a second. Now. Hold on a second. He was also playing with a quarterback who was who broke records as a passer, like throwing. And the Sam ball Darnold can't do that. Uh, I mean, I'm not just going to say Sam Darnold's going to be Jameis Winston right now. Like as far as, uh, you Look know, at these. like leading, leading the league in attempts, Johnny, like that's, you're going to say okay. like he need, he, he needed that in order to put up those numbers. But listen, I, under, I'm just I saying, like, okay, Sam, Darn I love Sam Darnold I love where Perriman's being drafted. I think it's, it's fantastic. This is a, this is perfect. He is a dart throw. I mean, you look at guys being drafted around him or ahead of him. Miles Boykin, Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Stills. Yeah, like give me Perriman above all of those guys. I'm like, not saying that Perriman is going to be this dominant. I mean, he can put up uh, down the stretch. He put up a number two wide receiver finish. He put up a 28, 23, 15, and a three. So is he going to get you, you know, 100% of the weeks is going to be a wide receiver? No, no, I'm not telling you that. But I'm saying you're going to get look, Robbie Anderson was wide receiver thirty nine last year. And and so you're telling me I'm gonna get at least wide receiver thirty nine it in the fourteenth round of, of drafts? Sign me up. Yeah, the other thing to say here is Adam Gase is now in his second year as the Jets head coach, which means that you know Darnold was battling mono and whatever else is going and on. Ghosts and ghosts and over there. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah, seeing ghosts last year, but 
he's going to have a full year to kind of get going here. Obviously, we got the pandemic, so it'll be a little bit uh, loaded there. But I think, yeah, I think Perriman's one of these perfect guys to talk about as this low cost, virtually no cost dart throw at the back end of drafts. Um, I'm really excited about another guy that was listed here on this list, and that's Josh Reynolds. And we've talked a little bit about, you know, the Rams wide receivers uh, on this exact show. And I think when we look at Josh Reynolds, one of my one of the best things was reading uh, this post on Reddit and the guy quotes uh, Sean McVay here saying we would not have made the move on Brandon Cooks had it not been for the confidence we have in Josh Reynolds. Oh, that so got you going. You texted me oh, after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it got for sure. I, I like I think that just really solidifies. Well, one, I did I just drafted Josh Reynolds late in di- in our dynasty rookie free agent draft. So was pretty stoked to pick him back up after getting a berate of of crap in that in that draft room. So that felt good. But I think, look, Josh Reynolds is honestly a guy that has prototypical like wide receivers skills. He's six foot three, 194. He's not the fastest, but he's got great agility. He had a 10.96 agility score. Um, he's got a huge catch radius, so he can bail Jared Goff out in a lot of things, in a lot of ways. And I think if you look at the, you know, the way he he produced last year with uh, Brandon Cooks kind of in and out of the lineup with injury, with the 12 personnel shifts, you know, Johnny's mentioned before how it is concerning how the Rams have moved to 12 personnel towards the end of the uh, of the season last year and actually took Cooper cup off the field for a lot of snaps. Well, who had to go in instead of him? It was Robert Woods and actually Josh Reynolds who was in for a lot of those snaps. So his snap share was there uh, and increasing at the, you know, at the sake of, uh, of Cooper cup. So I think for me, Josh Reynolds is a nice, once again, being drafted super late in drafts, kind of being slept on, not being talked about. And he's a guy you can really stash as a guy that's got big upside week to week on, in this Rams offense, if they're able to return to a little bit of form that Sean McVay had uh, previously. I, I do like Josh Reynolds uh, as a, as a late round flyer. I, I'm with you on that for this year, Travis. Uh, but I was just, I wanted to note this cause I was looking this up as we were doing our research for the show. Player profiler has his uh, player comp to good old Devin Street. You remember this guy? Uh, he had he had a uh, a career high, uh, one reception for twenty yards uh, back in two thousand sixteen. Uh, so I wanted to give Whisper Nation sounds like a, a, sounds like my player profile. A, a, yeah. So I wanted to get I wanted to get uh, a Whisper Nation a little bit deeper cut, maybe that they could maybe relate to, uh, and his player profile relate uh, relate. To, you know, metrics said Rod Streeter. You remember this guy, Rod Streeter? Um, I it, it does sound like a guy that uh, either you picked up for a championship game, Travis, that you rode home, or Chelsea picked him up against me uh, in in a game. I it might have been, uh, but he had one game in 2016, week 16, six receptions for on seven targets. For 63 yards and a touchdown, he was good for wide receiver 16 on the week. And uh, that is just your crazy fun fact um, down a rabbit hole about Josh Reynolds uh, potentially (laughs) being a league winner on week 16 somehow. Yeah, I I think uh, this is what we're talking about. Like if you can stash guys at the end of drafts, that's what you want to do. And we've talked about this before, right? When we do our mock drafts, we say maybe you want to punt the kicker and defense position at the end of your draft. Cause you want to stash a guy like Josh Reynolds and wait through preseason and see if he's able to kind of bust through or stash a guy like Brashad Perriman and see if he does establish, you know, going back to Brashad Perriman just a little bit, nobody's on that depth chart. So like it's no. Brashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder and a bunch of has-beens like Josh Doxson. Well, the they have chart, Denzel so. Mims, but he's a rookie. And so we, you know, well, yeah, it's going to exactly. take a while like, for him to get in wide there. receivers, even if they are good, right. Don't, they take They're a while generally. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the point here is that you can look at the storylines that are going through in preseason and that these storylines that we want to work out. And if you stash a guy at the end of your bench after a mock draft uh, or after a real draft, uh, instead of kick, get, grabbing a kicker, which you could grab at any time, like you're you're really sitting there with uh, some lottery tickets. So speaking of risk and, and stashing guys here, James Conner is a guy that a lot of people grabbed last year and absorbed a whole bunch of risk when Ben Roethlisberger went down and watched James Conner just kind of not live up to expectations. 
all of that is now baked into James Conner's ADP, which has him going in the third round, uh, the middle of the third round right now in most drafts at 304. And so we're cruising around on Reddit. Sports Illustrated has an article that's posted there. Um, and it says at uh, Fantasy Football, most signs say James Conner is worth the risk. So, Johnny, I got to ask you, is James Conner worth the risk at his third round ADP? So people took him, you know, end of la- end of the first round last year, beginning of the second. Um, we were on the fence. We kept going back and forth as to whether we liked him or not last year because of those same injury concerns. And ultimately, um, we we took him on a couple of, of our teams together, Travis, uh, and then Travis had him. And then he, what did he do? He finished as the RB33. To, but to be honest with you, that's a lot better than I thought he finished. Uh, to say that he finished mm. as an RB3, um, which is actually able to be flex consideration. Yeah, RB33 on only 10 games played. Right, right, exactly. So if you look, if you break down, I'm glad you brought up those 10 game, uh, the 10 games. If you break those down, he had three top eight games, two top 20 games, and two top 36 games. So 50% of the time that he plays, he's giving you top 20 value. Uh, certainly, certainly not bad. Uh, I don't like the third round price tag. Uh, but here's something that's interesting. If you, he, he didn't play a lot of games last year, um, at all, but two, two years ago when he broke out, uh, he did not finish then either, but he did certainly play a lot more games and he gave you a lot more return. He got, gave you a lot more RB two and RB one finishes. What does that year and this year have in common? If you, if ben Roethlisberger, that's one thing. I didn't even, I didn't think of that until you just said it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, what I yeah. was thinking about was a chip on his shoulder. He seems to oh, thrive yeah. when he has a chip on his shoulder. And you know, going back to even his cancer, you know, he talks about kicking cancer's ass. He had a chip on his shoulder. He comes in, and no one thinks he's going to be able to replace Le'Veon Bell. Chip on his shoulder. What does he do? He comes out and dominates. Last year comes out, you know, people are like, oh, he's good. We know he's good. He can replace Le'Veon Bell. We've seen it. We've seen the production. Not so much of a chip. He's the lead dog. And what does he do? He falls off. You know, he gets he doesn't get injured. So I'm not going to necessarily completely blame him for that. But um, he just seems to work harder when he's when he's on a contract or when he's, you know, a chip on his shoulder. And this year's a contract year. They just drafted a new running back. I think we're I think we're bearing the lead here. This guy, if, if anybody follows this guy on Instagram, you've seen that James Conner oh, has yeah. the back of flipping Thanos right now. That guy is just jacked right now. I think there's a, a bunch looks of like It looks play. like Austin Sear. Have you seen Austin Sears back? <laughs> Jeez. I have I mean, seen the guy's Austin. got more than a chip on his shoulder. He's got a bag of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> he's got a couple boulders. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just like, yeah, he's looking like super committed to the work right now, which is a great sign to see. Now, the other thing this article points out, and we'll talk a little bit about it in our next topic, <laughs> is that he's in a contract here. So there's he's got that going for him. Like, will he be able to perform at a higher rate because of the contract year that we see that guys try a little bit harder sometimes, or at least it fits a really nice narrative. A lot of what happens with James Conner, and this is why I drafted James Conner in the first last year, is James Conner's story feels so good. Yeah, it's it feels a lovable really story. good. It's lovable. He beat cancer. He's from Pittsburgh. He was drafted by that team. If you look at this article, it's it's full of a lot of Here's things. Here's the thing. Good stories don't win you championships, Travis. I mean, I it, yes, that is true. And so I think... It, you know, you're going to have to balance if it's just fun enough for you in the third round to take him or if you've got to really, you know, focus on some of the other guys going there and see what is more likely. Now, I will tell you right now, if you're going to believe that Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy for at least the majority of the games here, I'll want a piece of that offense. Yeah. Bottom line, he, he has always in his career, for the most part, been a slinger and got that offense down the field. And so if I could get the lead back, on a Pittsburgh offense with Ben Roethlisberger, I'm okay with that third-round bra- draft price. So for me, it's the risk of not only James Conner, but Ben Roethlisberger, who doesn't typically play a full season. So usually it's two to three games that he's out. Last year it was you know the whole elbow, and you've got you've to be willing to absorb that risk. 
All right. So we taught, we alluded to this a little bit, but we're talking about running backs now in contract year. There was a fan. This is probably my favorite topic this week. Uh, there was a fantastic post here. So I've got to give him a shout out as soon as my computer loads the link. Uh, <laughs> but it, it basically was breaking down the tiered running backs uh, or breaking down tiers of running backs based on contract year. So we've got tier one, tier two, tier three. We want to dive into it a little bit here. So this was posted by Duels 102 uh, and it says running backs in a contract year. By the way, guys, we find all these topics on Reddit Fantasy Football. If you guys aren't checking that out, you should. It, there's so much knowledge and it's all community based, meaning people are bringing this from all different kinds of perspectives. So really get out there and check it out. So the the lead here says players in a contract year normally try a little bit harder than players in a long-term contract. There's tiers here. So let's start with tier one, Johnny. I want I want to talk through uh, guys in each tier that each of us think have the best shot to produce this year. And this one, we're starting off hot on the first one because tier one's got a couple contract guys here. So tier one, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. Johnny, give they, all have, they all have contract uh, issues here. Yeah, well, except like the difference though is like Derrick Henry has already signed his, yeah. his tag. So yeah, that's a that that's the wonderful point that you brought up, Travis. That Derrick Henry, out of all three of these guys, is the only one that has signed his tenor uh, for this year. Alvin Kamara um, is expected to play as of right now, but he could end up holding out, and then as uh, the entire uh, fantasy football community. Uh, found out two days ago, Dalvin Cook willing to hold out and will hold out, will not play a snap until he gets his new contract. Let's see how that plays out, Cotton, because it has not done well so far for anybody else who has hold, held out. Um, so for me, immediately I cross off Dalvin Cook for this because <laughs> uh, just because of two things, right? Uh, the holdout and then what have we seen? We've kind of seen a regression from all of these players who hold out and get either get their money or they don't get their money and then they come back and they're just not quite the same player either way um, because they're either missing time or they got their money so they're not as hungry. But. Uh, Derrick Henry is on a different position because he is on a franchise tag. Uh, and so he is still looking for that major contract. I do think he's the best running back out of the three as well. Um, so that's that's where I'd go with the, with tier one would be Derrick Henry. Who's your tier one guy? So I would love to just kind of say, well, the holdout has me so scared. I'm going to move off of Dalvin Cook here. But I honestly do have to say Dalvin Cook is my best bet. And I know it's a little bit risky and maybe you're, you're not as risk adverse as, as I am. But like for me, Dalvin Cook um, has everything in the making to be the guy. Like he's in the contract year, so he, he'll want to prove himself. Hopefully it, it doesn't lead to a real big holdout like these other guys. Um, but he has everything like he can be the bell cow back. We've seen it. He also has Gary Kubiak taking over full control of this offense. And I don't know if you guys can look back to all the guys that Gary Kubiak's coach, but we're talking about Arian Foster. We're talking about top 10, top five running backs in the league in a zone scheme. We've taught, we've saw this team devote even more to the run by shipping off Stefan Diggs for draft picks this off season. So we're talking about a team that is committed. I mean, we saw games last year where they threw only 10 times per game. They want to run the football. They want to play to Mike Zimmer's defense. And I think Dalvin Cook is the perfect guy you can get. And especially if this holdout stuff lingers, you could start to get him at a value. Yeah. I think about a couple years ago when Ezekiel Elliott was facing suspension charges. And if you plugged your oh, nose and drafted Ezekiel Elliott, for a lot for some of for some of that season you were we were feeling really good this is a little bit different and you, and you should know a little bit more but i do see a situation where dalvin cook plays this year and and really outperforms the other two in this tier um do like alvin kamara to bounce back this year but i just don't think he's the safest bet he's always lived on efficiency yeah. all right so tier two is a big one. It's a meaty one. So yeah. we in this tier of contract year running backs, we've got Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, James Conner, and Todd Gurley. So we talked about James Conner. I don't think either of us are putting our hat on James Conner to come out of this no. tier. But Johnny, if you had to have one horse in this race, out of I already know who this is. Yeah, uh, of course but you I'll, I'll talk. <laughs> 
for the sake of this show, I was going to pick Kenyon Drake as well, but I think I'll let you take Kenyon Drake and, and I'll go with someone else. Well, I mean, I do like a lot of these running backs, but Travis, this is I'm not saying this as a homer pick. I'm not saying this because I, I believe Kenyon Drake is a tremendous value and he should absolutely be going higher than where he is in ADP. And he's just a great fantasy player. And I called this all the way back to like when he was playing Pee Wee football. I'm not going to bring up any of that stuff. Okay. What I'm going to say a simple song that we all know, we all know and love when we, and we learned it when we were children. One of these is not like the other. All right. Let me. Okay. Chris, what do, what do all these guys have, have in common? All right. Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, James Connor, and Todd Gurley. What do all those guys have in Connor uh, in common that Drake does not have? And that is the injury bug. All those guys have injuries or have had injuries that they've missed significant time. Kenny Drake is the only one that has not missed significant time because of injuries. He's on one of the best offenses out of this whole entire uh, list. And so for me, it's, a, it's easy to say Kenyon Drake, but not just because uh, I am in love with Kenyon Drake, uh, but because it is the right answer based on the circumstances. Yeah, I think, you know, you've you've but I do like um, all these guys. I think, look, Drake is the the clear answer in this tier. You talk about talent. He's got it. It's a combination. All these things you got. You talk about opportunity. He's very much so got that because they've shipped David Johnson off as part of the DeAndre Hopkins deal. And so now Kenyon Drake has this backfield. He has the support of his coaching staff. And uh, so he's got that. And then you talk about the offense, the pedigree of the offense. This offense is about to blow the doors off the rest of the league, most likely. If everything goes right and Cliff Kingsbury gets his way and, you know, a big if, but I think this that we're all in agreement that this is going to happen. If Kyler Murray takes a step forward, you are going to want many pieces of this offense. It has a chance to hit the ceiling of a Baltimore or of a Kansas City, of an offense that you're going to really want to be involved in and i know this is just making johnny so happy as a cardinals fan hey dude there's plenty of room on the bandwagon if you want to come on over dude there's plenty of room dude yeah no i uh but i will for the sake of this show and because i think we need to talk a little bit about it is joe mixon i think people are sleeping on joe mixon we've talked about this before on previously on the show but joe mixon is my guy in this tier uh, if I can't choose Kenyon Drake. And that's because Joe Mixon was a top 10 RB last year. He was a top 10 RB in carries. He was a touchdown guy for them. And this is a team that is going to improve. Uh, I am a firm believer that Joe Burrow is an improvement on Andy Dalton and anybody else who played quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals in the last 10 years. And I think that when you mix all those things together, plus the weapons that they brought in, in, in T. Higgins, they, you talk about the guys that they've had in that wide receiver room for a couple of years, a fully healthy A.J. Green. All of these things mean should mean more opportunities for Joe Mixon, who is already a guy in top 10 in opportunities. So for me, it's Joe Mixon in tier two. Now, tier three is another uh, meaty one here. But it's kind of got some guys you, you you may want to steer clear of. So I'll let Johnny talk about which guy he thinks. But first, we'll list these. Tier three has Malcolm Brown, Kareem Hunt, Damian Williams, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack. So, Johnny, uh, you know, when I initially two names stood out to me in this, and that would be Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda. And um, so those were my two names that I kind of leaned on. But we did just talk about Kareem Hunt. And I yeah. have to say, I think I think you you kind of got me going on the Kareem Hunt bandwagon. So yeah. talk to me. Who's your guy in tier three? Yeah. So my guy is Kareem Hunt. And that's kind of why I was holding back a little bit on the Kareem Hunt uh, hype train earlier. The answer to me is super clear in Kareem Hunt. Um, I do like Philip Lindsay as a secondary call in this one. So it's interesting that you and I both have two different guys that we like, which is great. Um, this is it means that there's some depth deeper on in the draft. Uh, but for me, it's easy. It's it is Kareem Hunt because he's so efficient. I understand that he's only going to get, you know, seven to 14 touches per game. But Travis, he's so efficient with those. You're talking about uh, Alvin Kamara being efficient with his touches. Kareem Hunt has been extremely uh, efficient with his touches last year. He averaged one point one five fantasy points per touch. So and I, I, you know, I already broke down his his 
you know, what he did once he returned the action last year. He stayed healthy, you know, throughout his career. Um, and here's the other thing that all these other guys, well, maybe Damian Williams has, you know, they do have the potential, but not to the severity of a guy like Kareem Hunt. And that is, if anything does happen to Nick Chubb, uh, you know, God forbid, don't want it to, but if anything does, you're staring and are every week RB1, hands down, no doubt, Kareem Hunt is in your lineup as an RB1, uh, and and you're going to be so happy you draft him. So not only is he a great flex option that you can get 6th, 7th, 8th round uh, in, in drafts, but he has the amazing upside that we know what he can do. It's not a question of like, oh, maybe he could do it. We know he is an RB1 if he's the only guy in town. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a great point. It's about the upside of these guys should something happen to the guys around them. And I think on that point is why I would be so – I would take a long, hard look at Tevin Coleman. Look, Matt Breda, I like. I think the situation is there. But Jordan Howard exists. And the fact that the Miami Dolphins had the worst-ranked offensive line in football last year from pro football focus. They only did one line – they only drafted one lineman. And that guy is probably a project uh, in Austin Jackson. Yeah. He's not exactly there right now. So if that's being said, I think the Miami backfield is a little bit concerning to me. So I'll go with Tevin Coleman. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be the guy. And I don't know if the guy exists in a San Fran offense, right? They're going to have Mostert. They're going to have Tevin Coleman. But they did get rid of Matt Breda, who seemed to be the biggest kryptonite for Tevin Coleman's success at times last year, other than the injury. If you have a piece of the San Fran offense, they love to run the football. They just run the hell out of the football. And I think Tevin Coleman, should something happen to Mostert, could be a guy that has these four touchdown games like he had last well, year. Well, I think it he, could he, even he, happen even if Mostert's there. It, like, we've seen it. it. Happen. Like, yeah, yeah. It so give me I'm the cheapest. Saying, yeah, give me so the I'm cheapest. So I'm saying the upside. You talk about Kareem Hunt's upside. Where yeah. Kareem Hunt's upside is in the fact that he is an all-around great player. So it, the upside for Tevin Coleman is pure scheme. Yeah. If something oh, yeah. happened to Mostert and you and Mostert and you have Tevin Coleman, you're going to be sitting there pretty happy. And the uh, love the the and the love that the offense or the head coach has in Tevin Coleman. He loves Tevin Coleman. And let's not forget, dude, Tevin Coleman had some, is is one of the better prospects to come out of college in a long time. Comp tell me that. Charles, yeah, no, Johnny, I know you. You're a Tevin Coleman hater, so I just had to bring that up. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Whisper Nation, I wanted to be known that I had him on my dynasty (laughs) team last year and had to defend why I chose Tevin Coleman. Thank you very much. Uh, Of course, of course. Uh, Okay, so we are that that does it for our Reddit topics, which means it's time to give you those wide receiver values going in the middle to late rounds. Part two. (laughs) (laughs) This tastes so good. A la Frank the Tank, we're going to go through some of these guys here, give you a whole beer bong full of wide receiver value here. And we're going to start with another Pittsburgh Steeler. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger, the importance of him being back, having that elbow, you know, completely rehabilitated, having his beard trimmed down, throwing to his receivers in the offseason. And that receiver he was throwing to on recent footage was Juju Smith-Schuster, Johnny. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. I I got nervous there for a second. I was like, whoa, you taking pictures of me without without me knowing, Travis? Wow, unbelievable. Yeah, man, Juju (laughs) Smith-Schuster. Well, welcome back to fantasy football, my friend. And this is just – I – it's mind blowing to me, Travis. I'm I'm glad that this is the first guy that we're talking about because every mock draft, it seems like, um, or the majority of them, if if you don't grab them, I grab them. Uh, but Juju Smith Schuster. Now I I totally get it. I totally understand. You know, Juju Smith Schuster came in hot. Uh, his his rookie year. This guy was getting 28 percent target market share with Antonio Brown there and Big Ben. All right. So that was wide receiver one numbers with another alpha wide receiver one there. Um, Juju Smith Schuster last year, though, comes in. Everyone drafting him high. We were super high on him. Apologize to Whisper Nation for that. Um, But Big Ben does get hurt. And as a result, uh, Juju Smith Schuster only finishes with 42 receptions for 552 yards and three touchdowns on 71 targets. Now here's the big thing, you know, I'm a firm believer in it was because of Big Ben was the reason why Juju Smith-Schuster um fell down. He was 
you know, first year as being the number one alpha dog. He also had injuries last year, too. He, r- correct. Yep. Yeah. He also had injuries as well. And, you know, everyone is out there saying, you know, the big thing they're saying, well, if if it had to be so related to Big Ben and you're saying to me, Johnny, that Big Ben was the reason why Juju Smith-Schuster didn't do well last year. How come Deontay Johnson and how come? James uh, Washington were both able to do so well with Duck Hodges and, you know, the the other, you know, trash cans that they that they brought in on Sunday. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> <Mason> <laughs> but Rudolph is a trash can. Yeah. yeah so um, how how are those guys able to do well, Johnny? If uh, you know, they didn't have big Ben Roethlisberger. And to this, I will equate that to saying we see this often with backup you know, why uh, backup QBs and then, you know, these these younger wide receivers because they spend more time on the practice field together. Juju is practicing with Big Ben with the with the first teams. Deontay Johnson and James Washington are practicing with Hodges, are, are practicing with these backup quarterbacks. So it's just natural that when they come in, they already have this rapport. And I'm not saying that Juju wasn't getting targets. He was getting plenty, 71 targets. But I'll tell you right now, like there, there's a combination. And I love that you brought up that point of the second team guys working with the second team quarterback. The other portion here and, and part of what, you know, these anti Juju Smith Schuster pundits were saying last year was, well, now without Antonio Brown, he'll have to face the number one corner every week. Now he'll have to face all. And I think there is a portion of that that is true. The difference here is when Duck Hodges is throwing you the football, <laughs> he's not really able to put it wherever he wants it where Ben Roethlisberger can master back shoulder throws, can know the nuances of his wide receiver because he's seen so many years of doing this and can kind of put the ball where he wants to. Um, He's got the caliber to do so. And I think that's a big point here. And I think also Ben Roethlisberger's ability to extend drives, not only with his escapability, but he knows when to check it down and get the drive still going. These younger quarterbacks were not able to sustain drives. I mean, I don't think people realized unless they had a part of Juju Smith-Schuster or James Conner, like we were talking about, how bad this offense was without Ben Roethlisberger. And the other point here is Pittsburgh's continuity, which means they have Randy Fickner as still the offensive coordinator here. He was there with Antonio Brown and with Ben Roethlisberger and Juju. He knows what Ben's play style is. He knows how to cater this offense to Ben. And I think Juju is really... People were burned last year by him, and and they're baking that into his ADP right now. If you trust in Ben Roethlisberger to stay healthy, you should be trusting big time in Juju Smith-Schuster. I know at a six-round draft, by Bryce, Johnny, I'm going to be taking a lot of shares of Juju if that's where he stays around. Mason Rudolph last year, he only had five money throws. That was 30. That was dead last for starting quarterbacks, 32. So, yeah, uh, give me – I'm excited for Juju. Well, another guy you're really excited about is the guy we're going to talk about next. I feel like this is our segue every time. Like you are most oh. excited. Each oh. time we go to a name, you're more excited. Hey, so let's talk about DJ Moore of the wait who uh, Carol- who DJ Moore. Oh, oh yeah. That's uh, right, baby. I can't, I can't get through <laughs> these fast enough without you using them. All right, so T.J. Moore is a guy Johnny has shares of in Dynasty, is, oh. has been pumping all season long, probably drafts him in every single mock draft we do for the site. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, tell Whisper Nation why D.J. Moore is, one, being disrespected, and two, has the ceiling that you believe he has. So I, I was fully on DJ Moore his his rookie year. I loved him. I thought he had great prospects. Big Travi and I discussed him. We went back and forth. Travi was on his on on him as well. Yeah, I believe really, you were trying to tell me Curtis Samuel was the better last one year. Last I did. Yeah, year, I, I did. I, mean, I, I did. But hey, but just just like all things, you 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 evaluate and new you reevaluate. New information comes out, and then you you can take that and you and you decide what you're going to do with it. And what I have seen from DJ Moore is this: last year he breaks out and and finishes um, with Josh Allen as the wide receiver 18 last year. Um, 
this year he's getting a new scheme, a new offensive coordinator, which, you know, could be worrisome for some players. However, Teddy Bridgewater is coming in as the quarterback. And I and I understand a lot of people in the fantasy community aren't respecting Teddy Bridgewater and what he does for an offense. They don't think he can do it. They don't think he has what it what it takes in order to elevate this offense. But let me remind you this, Whisper Nation, this offensive coordinator and this head coach that they brought in to Carolina was his head coach in college. He knows this system. And what did we see from Teddy Bridgewater when he did come in for Drew Brees? He did with the first few weeks. He didn't, you know, he didn't have anything significant, didn't throw over 200 yards, wasn't exciting. However, when Sean McVay finally took the wheels off of or or the training wheels off of the bike and just said, Teddy, you know what? We believe in you, brother. Go out there. All of a sudden, we started seeing these 300 plus passing games from Teddy Bridgewater, who is super, super accurate. Well, he only had one of those games. He only had one game over 300 yards. A, a 298 was the other one. Okay. Sorry, I'm rounding. Yeah, sorry. I'm rounding a few yards here. Um, but I will say that I, uh, if you look at. You can say, okay, Teddy Bridgewater is still, I'm not convinced he's a great quarterback. Look what he did for Michael Thomas wide re- from weeks two to seven. Wide receiver 12, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 11, two, 15, five. Four out of the six weeks, Michael Thomas was an, uh, a wide receiver one. And you're going to say, well, Michael Thomas is the greatest wide receiver in, in the entire NFL. A lot of people would argue with that, by the way. I don't. I don't disagree with it. But I'm saying DJ Moore has just as much talent as Michael Thomas. And there, therefore, DJ Moore has top five upside this year. And I believe that's where he's going to get. He's going to be top five. That is a bold statement. I it is a bold statement, Cotton. I don't believe I don't believe he'll uh, end up top five. I think the reason that Michael Thomas ends up top five uh, every year, year after year, is because of two things: Sean McVay and Drew Brees. Um, I think that it's a combination of both. Now, I just right. told I you, that, you he had yeah, he had you have a, Teddy you have Bridgewater a game, for half the you season. A, you have a five game, six game sample size. Seven cool, game se- like, sample size. Six game sample size. That's a six game sample size. Yeah, like that's awesome. Like I, I just don't think you can build a whole career of a top five guy based on six games uh, in a system that's dominated by a, a, a run of the mill or like not a run of the mill, but like a uh, transcendent offensive play caller in Sean McVay. So we have to go with a rookie head coach in the NFL, not John, a rookie head coach ever. Like a rookie head coach in the NFL. Okay. So now we've got it. We've got to rely on that for him to call him, call him plays. Do, do we hold take- back Arizona last year with Kling, Kiff, Kling, Kiff, Oh my goodness. With was Cliff any Kingsbury? of Arizona's wide, was any of what Arizona's wide receivers last year, a top five wide receiver? No, but All were right, any of them you. as, were well, any of them as is- good as DJ Moore? No, no. Okay. That's your personal opinion. I, I don't hold DJ Moore in, in that much regard. Like even player profiler has him compared to Pierre Garçon. So he's a possession right. guy. He's a possession wide receiver. I understand you like him a lot. I think that you might be reaching for situations to match your narrative. But that all being said, I loved what you laid out as far as what Teddy could do for a number one wide receiver. There is no doubt that DJ Moore is the number one wide receiver in my mind for Carolina. And I do think that a seventh round draft price is low for a number one wide receiver in the NFL. And so I think, yes, he's he's a value here. I agree with you that top five is a little ideas of grandeur here. I would say for you there, Johnny. Whistler Nation, let us I know understand. in the comments if yeah. you think that DJ yeah. Moore can be top five, please. Tell tell Big Travi that he I is just. That bet. I will take that bet right now that he will not be. Oh, let's do it. I, that's a deal. That's a deal. All right. Well, moving hey. on to the. Well, I think you're wrong, Lloyd. How much you want to bet? Yeah. How much you want to bet, Lloyd? I mean, we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> um, but. You know, these wide receivers in Arizona that Johnny hates so much, you just talked about how none of them were very good last year, is Christian Kirk. So we're going to talk about Christian Kirk, another seventh-round ADP. Uh, and so, Johnny, talk to me about uh, about Christian Kirk. What, what are your thoughts here? He's obviously kind of 
an odd man out if you if you think about what's going on over in Arizona and how DeAndre Hopkins has come to town. You talk about Kenyon Drake getting a lot of receptions out of the backfield. So where does Christian Kirk stack up? My main question for Christian Kirk, Johnny, actually, is where do you see his target market share landing? Okay. So first of all, the diss on me, you're trying to diss me by saying I don't, I under, he, he finished, he didn't even play all the games last year. That's why I'm saying that Christian Kirk wasn't that good was I mean, he because 13 of them. He, well, did, and we needed him in and 16. So uh, don't give me that. All right, sir. And he didn't show up yeah. week 16 at all, which was a little frustrating, but uh, he showed flashes. I mean, week 10 against Tampa Bay, 10 target or 10. Um, yeah. 10 targets, six receptions and three touchdowns, 138 yards, uh, 85 recept or 85 receiving yards on uh, eight receptions uh, week 14. This guy has the upside. He has the, a, a really, really, really nice upside that a lot of these other wide receivers, um, you know, Will Fuller's going in this area, but there's not a lot of wide receivers that truly have the upside of Christian Kirk. Um, we are giving you those those values right now. That's why it sounds like, well, Johnny, there's a lot of them out down here based on what you're telling me. Uh, but these, again, are just a handful that we picked out out of the groupings that are going. Um, but he... Let me just let me just tell you this, Travis, if this doesn't excite you as a listener or as a fantasy fan, I'm not sure I can get much more exciting for Christian Kirk. Um, Last year had super, super high potential, was injured. And so that value, I think, is discrediting him for his true upside. Um, I think he's going to be a locked and loaded wide receiver, too, this year based on this offense, based on Cliff Kingsbury. Based on the fact that they brought in DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Travis, which we see what the DeAndre Hopkins effect is. We Will Fuller. Will Fuller is is just like I mean, Christian Kirk is much shorter than Will Fuller, but you got to think of the same concept, right? Because the the teams were double teaming or focusing their attention on Hopkins, it allowed Will Fuller to get behind defenses, which is exactly what Christian Kirk's gonna do. Um, so yeah. for, for me, when, yeah. and he's tied when you, when he, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I was just, just going to say, when you dive, when you dive into the numbers here, I think it's actually really encouraging. You talked about only 13 games played. That's still a considerable amount. If you're looking at a fantasy season, that's exactly the length of, of your fantasy regular season. But I think the snap share percentage was really high. 98.5% of the snap share, including 30, 32.5 in the slot. 98% of the snap share was good for the second best amongst wide receivers last year. He had 30 or 19 deep targets. I thought that was pretty uh, mm-hmm. nice. And then we talked about target share at the top of this segment, Johnny. His target share was 24.5%. That was good for 16th best in the NFL. If he's 16th best, there's 32 teams. That means he's better than half or around better than half the number one wide receivers yeah. in the league that That's are a good out point. there. So yeah. that, that target share is really nice to see for a guy that's may he may dip in target share because of DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's a possibility, but the quality of the targets that he right. will now see well, tends to make you think that it's going to be a lot more profitable for a guy like Christian Kirk. I mean, quality of targets out of even out of the top, the three that we just mentioned, Juju, DJ Moore and Christian Kirk. You would say that Kyler Murray is the best quarterback throwing the ball to any of those wide receivers out of the three that we've talked about. Well, so you might say that Teddy Bridgewater is better, but I, no. I mean, that's just because you love Teddy Bridgewater. So, um, yeah, I will I will say that the upside is definitely better for all of them. I wouldn't discredit Ben so much to say that he's not able to sling the ball. Well, I'm not saying I'm not teams. saying that, but you wouldn't right now. You wouldn't take Big Ben over. Kyler no, Murray. not off the elbow, not off the elbow right. injury or anything. like That's that. all I'm saying. Sure. Okay, so moving on to our next guy, and this one's a tasty one. This one's got the big name. Might be a shocker to you. Might be a shocker that we're talking to you about him here. Odell Beckham Jr. is sitting right now, not just in the seventh round, Johnny, but an ADP of 712, which means he's nearly in the eighth round, Johnny, for a guy that was being taken at the second uh, round, maybe even at the first, second turn in some instances last year because of his placement into the Cleveland offense. The the offense was really hyped. Baker Mayfield was coming off a, a season last year or the year before last where he threw the most touchdowns for a rookie quarterback. 
So my question to you, Johnny, is why are we trying to convince Whisper Nation that OBJ is worth it at the seventh? Is it just based on on draft value, or do you think Beckham gets back to his elite status? Yeah, so I, you talked about, I mean, is it recency bias? Is that why he's going so late in drafts? Could be, or could it actually be a reason and a thing that OBJ should be going here? Is that his true value? Now, if you mock draft with us or um, you're in any of those uh, mock drafts or that you've seen, OBJ is going much higher in those than the seventh round. Oftentimes, people will say, where would you take him? Um, you know, end of third, beginning of fourth is where I'm starting to consider him, uh, honestly, uh, is where you should start considering. And that's probably where his value is going to go. Um, you look at last year, he, you know, didn't have as big of a year as everyone thought. You know, he, everyone was expecting because of Baker Mayfield, they thought he was going to take a step forward. He, they didn't. That offense didn't take a step forward. And as a result, people are overreacting in my eyes in a complete opposite direction. I, I get the fact that he's not really been, you know, as effective as we've always thought, right? Like, He's not really ever outperformed where we've drafted him ever in in fantasy football, but this might be the first year to do it because he's coming off of an injury last year. We know that was true. He had a, a hernia issue. Um, it would it could explain one of the reasons he had the, one of the most dropped uh, one of the most dropped passes of any wide receiver, which is a little bit surprising because it is OBJ. But I think it was it was a struggle between. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham and getting on the same page. And so, yeah, OBJ had 11 drops. He was number one at the position for drops, which is never a good sign. But I think that will get corrected. It's OBJ. We know how good his hands are. I just think that they were just trying to do too much. They were, they were, they were in their head. And another reason, Travis, and I think that you might get into this, but it, it's a head coach. The head coach is another reason why I think his his stock is falling yeah, I, a little bit. I think we talked about this when we were talking about Jarvis Landry versus OBJ a couple of uh, shows ago. But I think what I really want to hit on here is don't forget about the talent here. OK, like we're talking about a guy, Austin, in, in one of our group chats, Austin shared this highest graded rookie wide receivers of the decade from PFF. Number one by nearly five uh, rating percentage points was Odell Beckham Jr. at 91.2. Yeah. Okay. The next best was Terry McLaurin at 86.5. So we're talking about My boy, scary as, Terry. Yeah, of course you love that, but we're talking about a situation here that OBJ is mega talented. And none of that really, if you look at the, if you look at what was going on as far as opportunity, that doesn't scare you away either. This guy had a 97.3 snap share, good for sixth best in the NFL. Deep targets of 31, second yeah, best in the NFL. Yeah. Was a top 15 in target share at 25.6. It's all there. And when we talk about positive regression, it means, you know, when will this actually balance out and go to the positive side of things? Well, when the numbers are like this, Johnny, and he's getting opportunity and he's got talent, He's got all that talent still. He was just dealing with a little bit of a hernia injury. They had offensive line issues. They had play calling issues. Yeah. The guy, uh, God, I can't even remember his name now. Um, oh, Freddie that, Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens, Freddie, yeah. Ki Freddie Kitchens had issues calling plays last year. You have all of these things wrapped into one, you know, disgusting pie that for OBJ last year. And I think at the back of the seventh, if there's a guy here that really has a shot at top five, it's OBJ. Yeah, it's not, it's not DJ Moore. Like right. it's OBJ here, and that's because the talent, the opportunity are all there. We're just waiting for it to click in Cleveland. And I understand you don't want to trust Cleveland, but I trust what I've seen out of Baker Mayfield and what I love about Cleveland this off season. I don't hear anything. I hear no right. noise right now. They're going to work there. And that's what Baker has said. It's time to go to work. We talked all last year about being good. It's time to be good. And I think that is what OBJ is. He's good. You draft him the seventh, sixth. I mean, hell, even the fifth, man. I'm okay with that. That's what OBJ. I'm saying. It's going to get to a point where he will get up to the fourth round, uh, beginning of the fourth round. And I still think you should have confidence taking him there. 
I mean, you look at this offense and what they're going to run, Travis. It, they're going to have one-on-one matchups. It's going to be juice on one side. They're going to run 12 personnel. So uh, they'll run two tight ends and two wide receivers. Why? Because both Juju and uh, OBJ are extremely good in one-on-one situations. They'll have to stack. Teams will have to be forced to put an extra linebacker on the field because of the two tight ends. And this could be one of the most efficient offenses in the in the entire league. And yeah, I want a piece of it this year. So we're talking about another guy next who may not be have the excitement of these other guys, but he's a guy that you should be on your radar. That's Darius Slayton going in the ninth round, nine oh eight, Johnny. Talk about Darius Slayton. His chemistry was really there with with Danny Dimes last year. And I think that's what makes him so exciting, right? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, deep targets, 23 was good for 19th in the league, but he also didn't come in and play right away. He only played 14 games last season, and that chemistry is still building with Danny Dimes. But, you know, I I like the offensive coordinator or, or, you know, I I do like that they they brought in. It sounds kind of. Yeah. Jason Garrett. I understand people are probably chuckling because you're like, oh, you like Jason Garrett. I'm not a huge fan of Jason Garrett, but I do like what he does for offenses uh, in regards to fantasy football. And I think that um, if you're looking, you know, it's it's really interesting because a lot of these wide receivers uh, for the Giants are later on in the drafts. Um, you know, I, I Sterling Shepard, I think, is a tremendous value. Um, and I honestly thought you were going to go with uh, Slayton as maybe your your late round guy that you can get. Uh but big fan of Slayton. I think the potential's there. He's got juice. He's definitely a guy that Danny Dimes looks to. Eight touchdowns. His catch, his catch radius is off the charts, so he's very forgiving for a younger quarterback, which is nice. Um, he's got the 4.39 uh, 40 speed, so he's in the 95th percentile there. Uh, he is a guy that could, like, if you talk about one of these late-round guys that has a path to being the number one on their team, it's hard to make a case against Darius Slayton. I know Sterling Shepard exists, but that dude's got a bunch of injury problems. You talk about Evan Ingram. You talk about Golden Tate. Sure, Golden Tate is a possession receiver. He's going to soak up targets. Darius Slayton's your pop guy, the guy that really can make the big plays for you. Yeah. And if he starts to be the guy that Danny goes to, we know Danny Dimes is not afraid to let that thing rip and go to a guy. And Slayton has some real pop for a ninth-round player. Yeah. I mean, and not even not even that, but you just look at some of the games that he had last year, Travis. Uh, he finished as a wide receiver two in week ten. Um, you know, wide receiver thirteen in week eight, wide receiver sixteen in week five. So you, it, it wasn't super consistent, and that's what you generally find with a lot of these later round guys. They're not super consistent, but they are going. To, they have the upside to get you top five on certain weeks. And if you're getting that, like you said, in the ninth, tenth round, um, sign me up. Speaking of consistent, though, is our next guy, and that's Emmanuel Sanders, who's been drafted in the ninth. Who's being drafted? It's our last in the ninth guy, round. Travis. Not only that, yeah, it is our it. last guy of, of this the best list for last. Um, but no, Emmanuel Sanders is very intriguing. He's not. He's being drafted in the nine eleven spot here, um, and he's going. He's gone to the New Orleans Saints here as the number two behind Michael Thomas. And so we've we've seen New Orleans make this transition over the last few years. Who is going to be that number two weapon for them? It can't just always be Alvin Kamara. We saw Jared Cook do some good things last year. But now Emmanuel Sanders comes to town. And so, Johnny, I got to like this matchup or this marriage between the two, uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Drew Brees. Certainly on paper, uh, it's very, very interesting. New Orleans needs a wide receiver. Number two, you know, they only have Michael Thomas and they've just been feeding him. And they've kind of been searching for this wide receiver, too, for a while. Uh, they were they were hoping that they could have drafted one, but it never really worked out. And so they bring in a guy, a seasoned vet, Sanders, who we've seen time and time again, transfer to different teams and still be fantasy relevant, uh, it, which surprised me. Even gets traded midseason and still is able to help your fantasy roster, which rarely ever happens. So for me, the concern is not uh, so much like, am I worried about Emmanuel Sanders and how he's going to fit into this offense? I think that he is going to come in. He had total last year. He had 96 uh, targets throughout the entire season. I don't see a problem with that you know, being similar in targets or even a little bit more um, because of the fact that 
People are going to be double teaming Michael Thomas. He'll be one on one. He can still get free. And, uh, you know, he's not really showing a lot of effects from that Achilles injury. So, I mean, you like the offense, you like the player and, and, uh, you know, going super late in drafts. Why not take the dart throw on him? Yeah, but between changing teams last year, you had eight red zone receptions. That was good for 18th in the NFL. You think that Sean Payton's not going to understand that Emmanuel Sanders is a good red zone option. He, he can sneak behind and, and, and bury himself in cushions. I think that's a big part of this. Obviously, the scheme is a huge part, but more weapons. And, um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders can be used all over the place. He's got great speed. He's got he can do the bubble screens. He can do end arounds. He can be very creative. And he being um, Sean Payton can be very creative with what he does with Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that, you know, look, we're talking about guys in the late round. Emmanuel Sanders could end up being a, a locked in wide receiver, too. And you got him in the ninth round. You know, it's like that's the upside that's there. And I think it's worth it uh, when you're taking stabs that late. Oh, he's an absolute so, flex play for sure. Each yeah, and every yeah, single week. Sure. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up our wide receiver values for part two. So we, we, we knew there were a lot of names here. We wanted to get you our absolute values. If you did miss part one, go back and listen to it because we've got some other steals that are just in the rounds ahead of these guys. But we're really excited about these players. And Whisper Nation, we want you to let us know if you are excited about any other late round guys or the guys that we mentioned. Hit us up in our DMs on all social media platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and leave us a comment and let us know who you think. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, Chelsea Lee Byers, I'm Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we are out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.